Dear Cosmo Babies, today we are going to be talking about how to get ready for an interview and how to go in and drop off your resumes to your dream salon. We have a special guest with us today. Uh, Douglas McCoy, owner of House of Pop in Spokane, Washington, is going to be joining us to add some insight from the salon owner perspective. Yay! I'm Russell Mays. I'm here. I'm present. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for coming on, Dougie. I really, we really appreciate it. It's great to have you and you know someone of your reputation. You're <laughs> lending some knowledge to a, a next generation. So let, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. So I'm sure, you know, now that you've owned a salon for several years, you've had a lot of people come in and apply. What do you think would be the best practices going forward? When someone comes in, what do you think that they need to have, need to do to make a good first impression? The first thing is actually show up. I think too many times, especially if you're coming out of school, the resume not, might not be, you know, it's not padded that much. So definitely coming in so that we get a visual. We're in a visual business. And as opposed to know, just like calling or Instagram or just emailing, emailing a resume. Mm -hmm. um, I think definitely coming in and you should know the salon you're going to. You should know their aesthetic. You should know what they're about. Dress the part. Dress like you're already an employee there. Mm -hmm. um, the next thing is, is, is your verbal, um, be nice, you know, introduce yourself. If you're coming in, you're dropping up a resume, odds are you're going to hit the front desk. So they're going to be your first point of contact. So being polite, being nice, um, being friendly, don't be overly nervous, have some confidence there. Hey, I'm so and so I'm dropping off my resume. You know, look, you're making that sort of first impression. The front desk or the front desk manager is going to be going to the owner and saying, hey, this person was actually really cool. And they're going to give you that that immediate in. You want, especially if they're if they're a good salon, they're going to have a stack of resumes to go through. At least you mm -hmm. hope so. So you want yours right up front. So making that initial first impression is huge. Um, you know, that's just, that's what I look for, especially the confidence. I mean, I run everything through the front desk. So somebody comes in and drops off a resume. There's been times people have dropped off a resume and I don't know it for days. There's yeah. been other times somebody who drops off a resume and front desk will immediately come get me. Hey, this person's dropping off a resume. They're right there. Mm -hmm. And you might get the interview right then and there. Right. Um, or at least move you to the top. Yeah, That would be the initial so there, when, when someone's going to come into a new place, of course, they're out of beauty school or pretty close to getting out of beauty school, and their technical confidence is not going to be necessarily sky high. So when or I, it is. Yeah, well, that's the other <laughs> side of the coin. We're just talking so, confidence. You know. so, so what do you think makes a, a, is more important, technical competence and skill or look and personality? Look and personality. If you're coming straight out of school, we we all know, we all know what you're coming out with. We know what 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 the guns loaded with. So 
I'm not looking at that. The first, you know, later on in the interview, and maybe if we have you come in and do a demo, right? We're looking at, are you, number one, are you teachable? Yeah. Number two, you know, I think the, the, are you teachable part is if the ego gets in there and you, you coming out of school thinking you're all that because you won all these awards and you got, it's like none of that, it matters, but it doesn't. My thing is if you're doing a blow dry and I come and correct you as far as tension, you know, whatever it is, do I get blowback? Or do I get, oh my God, that yeah, that that makes complete sense. As soon as that happens, I'm like, okay, I know this person's teachable. Right. But the the uh, the technical ability, I'm not expecting, especially out of school. Now, if you're coming out of an advanced training program, then yeah, I'm gonna be a bit more critiquey on on all of all of that. But at fresh out of school, are you teachable? Does your aesthetic fit with our aesthetic? Are you into similar things? It's a first date. You know, uh, do we mix? And then, um, you know, from there, it, it goes to the staff. You know, how do they feel? Especially if they're coming in to do a demo. You know, if I have somebody come in to do a demo, I'm out of it. I've already done the interview. I'll let my team watch and make that recommendation mm -hmm. or not. So, so yeah, I, to answer your question, uh, your, your aesthetic and your, your visual presence and your audio, audio, your, your verbal, um, that's more important than your technical ability. If you're fresh out of school. So when someone comes in to work for you, there's a, a verbal interview where you sit down or have a few minutes to chat. And then after they pass that phase, it goes into a, a demo. It's Correct. not so much a technical interview because you know that they're coming in at a lower skill level. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a, a demo just to kind of throw them in the deep end, so to speak. Now, if they come in and do the demo, and it's maybe not, How do uh, they... you know, great. Yeah. How do they fare from there? I had one guy come in and do a demo fresh out of school. It was nice because he was, I have him do a bob, which let's face it, it's the hardest haircut to do correctly. And if you have any technical ability, it'll show, you know, immediately. And it also shows how well you, what the training was like, where you were at with that school. Um, and he did it how most people do it out of school. And I was able to go in and correct him and give him some ideas. And he took them. And I was like, okay, he's teachable. And then that man pulled out a Denman brush, which out of school, I hadn't seen anybody do unless they're coming from Sassoon. <laughs> and that kid did the most beautiful blowout with a Denman on a bob. And I was like, he gets the job just for that. I don't know if the school showed him that. I don't know if he was watching online, something. But he actually knew how to use a Denman. And as soon as that happened, I was like, he got the job. Mm. He was teachable. And he already had the, the start. 
you know. So, so yeah, as far as the demo goes, I am not expecting anything great. I'm mainly having myself or the team watch. How do you look? How do you present yourself? How do you communicate with your client? How do you interact with the rest of the team? If you need to ask a question, like, where's the capes? You know, how, how, how well do you do that? Are you coming in with an ego or are you coming in gracious? Mm-hmm. And I'll take gracious over ego every day. So to kind of jump back to the very beginning of the conversation, uh, something that I personally like to talk to students about, students specifically, um, because they really haven't had any experience looking for a job yet, but I think this is also great advice for a stylist who is looking for a new space, is before you do anything, before you walk into a salon or anything, unless it's something you've already, are already like shadowing at or doing something like that. So I always say to check the website because if they, some salons are going to have it outlined how they want you to submit your resume. They may only want you to submit online and they may not want you walking into the salon. Salons can be very busy and maybe they don't want you walking in the front door to hand a resume off because that might mess up the flow of the day. Or, you know, a salon may have it outlined, like come in, drop it off, you might get interviewed right then and there, like they may have it outlined. And so I always say start by researching first um, because it could put you in a potentially negative situation of if that salon is only apply online and you walk in the front door, that may make you look bad in the very beginning. Like, what do you, what are your thoughts on that, Douglas? Like, does your salon have anything outlined or is it kind of a welcome open door policy? We don't have anything outlined because we'll take a resume however you can get it to, especially post-COVID. Um, however, to add on to that, number one, you're, you're absolutely right. You should be looking at the website anyway. You should know where you're dropping your resume off. Mm-hmm. And nothing... It really gets to me a little bit when I get people, they've dropped their resume off literally at every salon in town. For me, that's not focused. If you go to the website and of whatever salon and that website speaks to you, if that aesthetic speaks to you, you're trying to find a home, not just a job. Find a home. So wherever that is, find that salon or a couple salons in your area where you want to work. Get on their website and you should know it backwards and forwards. Know their story, know their history, know who the owners are, any accolades they've gotten, what their clientele is like. What All of that should have spoke to you to say, I want to work here. And so, yes, definitely get on the website, find out. How they if they have that, and which I think is a great idea, and it's probably something that that we should have. It's just that I don't care how you send it, you know, as long as we is if you want to work here, then send it. If it's walking in or sending it in the email, that sort of thing. I just prefer to see you, but if I don't see you, trust me, you email me your resume. I've got somebody on your social. I've got somebody checking you out. Because again, that's going to move you to the front of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely get on there, check out their website, but do it because that's where you want to work. 
not I just need a job. Trust me, you can go get a hairdressing job anywhere. Russell, how is it for you? Like when you owned a salon, did you did you have certain policies around dropping off resumes or interviewing or like even a if somebody wanted to come into shadow, like we've talked about in previous episodes? Did what was that like a, when you were a salon owner? Uh, you know, for me, I, I didn't have any particular protocols or anything like that. Just show up. If you show up and you look the part and you're friendly and you're nice, that's that's all it takes to get an interview. Just just be there. There's a lot of people that that dream big, but don't ever take the first steps. And that's the, the second step. First step, graduate beauty school and get your license. Second step, have enough courage and moxie to walk into a salon and, and be ready to be judged and know that this is what's going to happen. And that's okay. And face that, you know. And once they walk in, I am as friendly and as cordial and as and as as calming and as smoothing as I can possibly be because I know it's nerve wracking to walk into a place. You know, there's plenty of places I walked into and I'm just like, oh my gosh, here we go, baby, here we go. <laughs> so I want to calm them down and see who the real person is behind the, the, the facade that they put on of professionalism when they walk in, you know? So I would talk to them and find out what they were looking for, what they were hoping, you know, what kind of experience they got. And with my salon, uh, it wasn't just me that hired them. Like I gave every every person that worked with me the uh, right to veto. Because mm-hmm. there have been times someone walked in that I just thought was fantastic. And one of the girls was just like, absolutely not. No way. Absolutely <laughs> not. So I'm like, mm, okay. So they don't just interview with me. I have them come in and, and hang out for a day and shadow for a half a day or something. And every person in there talks to them. Mm-hmm. And that's their every, they don't know, but every person in there is interviewing them. Yeah. And I give them the, the right of refusal because I have a small team and I do not need a bad apple walking in, you know, and stirring up all kinds of commotion and tearing up the team. So that I had everyone with the right to, to veto. And if they were cool and they fit in with the group, then great. As long as they're open to being taught, then that's fine. And if I ever did a technical interview, it was basically, just let me see where you're at. And it was usually only when they wanted a chair. Someone comes in and says, oh, yeah, you know, I've been a, a stylist. I've been assisting here for two years, you know, and I'm ready to, to you know, get a chair. So I'm looking for a chair. Oh, okay. Well, if someone's good and they're talented, I don't force everyone to apprentice or assist. I'll give them a shot at a chair. That's mm-hmm. when I'll do a technical interview and see if it's up to the level that the reputation of the salon has. And if it is, then great shit, I'll build them. If it's not, you know, you're not quite there yet. You could probably assist an apprentice for a couple months and, you know, give me six months and I'll get you on the floor then. But we got a few things to tighten up. But uh, it was never a clear cut procedure. It was always a case by case basis. So, okay. so my next question is kind of a two part question. The first part is, well. So I feel like there's a lot of talk that in the industry over the past couple of years, especially when it comes to interviewing at a salon, whether you're a student or already a professional stylist, is that we, I have noticed that people are trying to change the narrative to when you go in, you are interviewing the salon owner. Don't think of it as you're being interviewed, but but you're interviewing the salon owner. So my two-part question I have is when someone comes in, whether they're a student or a professional looking for a new home, 
what questions would Douglas, you as a salon owner, ask to that person? But then what in return do you expect people to ask of you as well? No, oh, that's or, a great question. It's, it's a great question. And I'm a big fan of the, I hate when I have to ask everything. Ask me questions and always, and if it doesn't happen at the end of it, I'm always like, okay, I now you know our whole bit. What questions do you have? And when it's just deer in headlights, I'm like, ask something. This is your career. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. don't, you know, I can sell the shop. I can sell my team, but you've got it. You've got to do the same, you know, ask me what you should expect. Ask me all those things that, that, you know, if you want to get, you know, pay out of the way, commission out of the way, um, uh, education, advanced education at drill me on all of that, of what you should expect because what it ends up happening is because if I don't have an answer, it makes me better because I'm going to make sure that, oh, that needs to make, that needs to be dealt with. You know, I need to be better prepared on the next one. Mm-hmm. But as far as questions I always ask, it's always the typical, why do you want to work here? What do you, you know, what do you want for in the future? Where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? You know, can I help? You know, it, I want, I always ask those questions. But the one that I think always throws people, sadly, in this day and age, is I always ask who their heroes are or who the influencers are. Mm-hmm. Doesn't always have to be hairdressers, but I want to know have they studied? Have they looked to the past? Of where all this stuff we do now comes from. And that's so many times I ask that question and I do get the deer in headlights because they don't know. Um, it's like, why did you want to be a hairdresser? What are you, you know, that's, I think for, for where you're going to start your career, you should know where they come from and who their influences are. Ask me that question. You know, I love to answer that question because I have a list. (laughs) Um, But you should have a list. And I ask certain, and it's a lot of the stuff that I ask isn't hair related, isn't hairdressing related. It's your favorite movies. Give me your top five. Give me your top five. You know, I'm a product of of, uh, the movie High Fidelity. And he always had a top five list or a top 10 list. (laughs) <laughs> who's, your, who's your top five favorite bands movies you know designers oh my god we're in the fashion industry and i asked the question who's your who's your favorite designers right now and i they literally have no idea and i'm like you dress we're in fashion business so don't just study how to do graduation study fashion music art culture be so well-rounded and so well-educated just because you're at a school, you win because you've already put in all this work during school. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, if anybody that's watching this and you're getting ready to graduate, Google, 
start making your lists, start finding out always that, that quote, you know, know thyself. I need you to know who you are and what you want. That way it makes it very easy for me to say, we're for you, or you know what? The salon two blocks down will eat you up. And I'd much rather do that to make sure that the student is taken care of after school than put getting themselves in a situation where in five years they're screwed and they've got to start all over again. I love that you bring I don't up know if that answers your question, Annie, but but that's No, it yeah, it totally does. And and I, I love that you brought up the fact of like making a list and Googling and finding people because in a past episode, Russell and I that's what we were talking about was going online, finding those people that inspire you. And it just, you know, it kind of it, it re-solidifies that it's like you those are the things that you need to do. You need to find those people that inspire you. Um, you need to find those people that you can make connections with. And I've met hairdressers that have gone to very prestigious schools that don't even know who wrote their training program when they happen to be like a hair hero. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, you went there for how long and you don't even know who these people are, mm-hmm. you know, and that's probably a fault of the school, but I don't know. I'm such a, I want to learn so much that I'm like, I'll ask those questions. You know, you're going to put a a book in front of me that was written by somebody. Who is this? Why are they so special? Mm -hmm. And then you research. Um, But definitely I never have a, I I've gotten so many books and taken so many classes on how to interview and the list that an interviewer should have. And I never go in with it because I'd much rather, it's like meeting a client for the first time. I'm going to find your personality and I'm going to go right into that. If you're a talker, I'm going to be a talker. If you're quiet, I'm going to be quiet because I want to come at you at your level and, and not make it awkward or uncomfortable. So I never have a list, but there's certain things, you know, that I do go into that aren't about the, the job, but yet they are. Because everybody that works on my floor has gotten the same thing. And they all have similar tastes. They all have different taste levels. And the ones that don't have a high taste level pretty soon after hanging out with everybody, that all gets raised. Mm-hmm. And you learn. And that's, that's all this is. You know, you're at a salon for 10 years. You had 10 years of learning. You know, it's, it's more about not more about, but it's take the career seriously. Take it like it's a serious part of your life Mm -hmm. and everything will fall into place. It's, you know, when you play hair is when you don't make any money, is when you don't have any skill. And when you don't seek out what's the best opportunities for you. It's when you play everything, you play school, play beauty school, play, you're doing nothing. Yeah. You have to be serious about this on a level that makes you have some drive to know who's writing the stuff, to know who Trevor Sorby is, to know who the hair history is coming from. You know? <laughs> oh, come on. You know, to know who these people are and you can follow from that and you can glean from their experience and it makes you better. I think that's it's. Russell, let's face it, you and I are older. Absolutely. 
And we were trained a certain way. Yeah. We were influenced a certain way. We were educated a certain way. That way doesn't happen much anymore. Agreed. Um, but we're also not ones as owning salons. We're not ones to just say, oh, that doesn't exist anymore, then forget it. And we're going to be wanting those things. So for a student that's coming out of school, you should know if you're applying at a salon, know who the owner is, mm-hmm. know who the owners are, mm-hmm. find out their history. Because um, again, this is not playtime. This is your career. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a craft. It's not a job. If you want a job, go, go elsewhere. I don't want people that just want a job. I want people yeah. that want to grow and learn. And if you're that person that I want to talk to, if you're not that person, go find that place. There's plenty of salons out there that you can just go get a job at. And you'll probably be a lot happier with that than getting yourself locked into a place that, mm-hmm. that you're not happy. Because next thing you know, you're, you're 10 years in and you've worked at six different salons. Mm-hmm. It's like, slow down when you get out of school research though when you when you know you're getting close to graduating if you're six months out you should start that research immediately where do i want to go where do i want to go live because you're going to spend the majority of your time there that's life um if you only want to work you know a day a week that's fine you can find those places too but find out where you want to be set yourself up for having a home that you're happy with than getting into someplace that you're miserable. Well, it goes back to know yourself, know yep. thyself. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to want to be at the top 2% of the industry. You know, that's where I strive to be. I know that's where you strive to be, but if someone just wants to to come in, do some hair, make, uh, make some people feel better. It's a nice, easy job. You. I'm not digging a ditch. I'm not breaking my back. It's great. Then don't apply at House Pop. Right. Go down somewhere else that can cater to that and know where you're going and what you aspire to. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. And I think students need to know no. that too. Yeah, is absolutely. That, is that those those upper tier salons, they, they attract a certain clientele. They attract a certain hairdressers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, the other places that, you know, there's so many different types and and know where you want to be but don't think that well i have to be there because you don't yeah Mm -hmm. you'd be miserable well they're a top tier salon who cares you're going to be miserable yeah go some places where you're going to be happy success is an individual opinion what is success for me does not necessarily mean success for someone else Definitely. And my version of success is equal with anyone else's version of success. I've got a great story about that, but this probably isn't the place for it. <laughs> but you can edit it out. Uh, a buddy of mine worked in a, you know, top 1% salon in New York and celebrity models, fashion week, all the photo shoots, magazine covers, the whole bit. And all of a sudden he up and disappeared. Mm-hmm. And I ran into him of all places. I ran into him at a hair show, which I thought was weird because I'm like, why are you at a hair show? Right. And 
he, I was like, where'd you go? And he goes, Key West. And I said, wait, what? He left Manhattan for Key West. And he was like, yeah, I've done. I achieved everything I thought I wanted and then found out I didn't want it. He goes, my days now, he goes, I wake up in the morning, not early, have my, go to my breakfast place. He then walks to the salon, works in like a three chair salon in Key West. His clients end up flying down, obviously. <laughs> he goes, I do three, maybe four clients. Then I go to lunch. Lunch might happen where he goes to one of his favorite places. He goes, to, but a lot of times he goes, I go back home and take a nap. <laughs> and then I go and I do a couple more clients, go out to dinner, and I go home. He goes, it's beautiful. But his level of what he thought he wanted changed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, going back to what you said, it's, it's personal. If you think this makes you great, then go do that. But if this is good and this makes you happy, then do that. Yep. If only seeing four clients a day makes you happy and you're good with that and the, that amount of money or whatever it is, great. Do that. But don't get yourself locked into where someplace where you're seeing 10 to 15 clients a day. Some days a week, you're going to be miserable. Yep. But that's what that salon requires. So don't mm -hmm. go there. Know what you want. So what advice would you give to, especially a student, someone coming out of school who thinks that they know the salon that they want? Because let's say, let's say the salon that they want has an amazing assistant program. No spots available at that time. Program's full. What advice would you give to them to have them maybe not lose motivation for the future? That's a great question. I think don't be stagnant. If I can't get into where I want to be, I'm going to go somewhere where I maybe don't want to be. Just to get experience and keep busy. And I am going to be incredibly annoying to the salon I want to be at. <laughs> if they do outside education open to the public, I'm going to be to every single one of them. I am going to email them. I'm going to call them. I'm going to like every social media post. I'm going to put, make sure that my name is in front of them at all times. Mm -hmm. That is now my mission. I've gotten so many great opportunities for the simple fact that I showed up. Mm -hmm. um, I would say quarter of my 10% of my staff got the job because they were coming in and shadowing every day or a couple days a week while they were in school. But they got so in my face that I had to hire them. They already put in the time. Mm -hmm. So don't just sit there and, and not have a job because nobody wins when, when that happens get a job, but know that it's a job. And then on every waking moment, go just be that annoying in your face. I'm going to work here. I'm going to work here. I'm going to work here. Because nine times out of 10, you are. You just need an open spot. 
you know, if that spot opens, I want to make sure that I'm the first one that gets a phone call. Now, is there a limit to how annoying someone can be? <laughs> what are those limits? Yes. Look like? <laughs> yes. Some people, some people don't know where those limits are. So like, what if would the, borders like, on you, harassment, where would those be? <laughs> if it borders on harassment, then yeah. Okay. You know, an email five times a day. No. An email once a week. Okay. You know, don't go overboard to where all of a sudden you're a stalker. Um, but, but yeah, there can definitely be a limit, but just constantly remind that salon, Hey, I'm still here. I still want to be there. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. I still want to be there. Hey, can I come in and fold towels? (laughs) You know, can I come in and just sweep hair? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But however it is, just make sure you're present. And that they don't, you don't allow them to forget about you. Yeah, but don't yeah. stalk them. Mm-hmm. Don't don't harass them. Once a month is pretty good. I, I know. I'm like probably a, week a lot. Is a lot. <laughs> once a week is probably stretching it, but <laughs> once a month's probably better. I had a. You want to let it kind of. Uh, you want to let it die down a little bit, yeah. and then reintroduce, <laughs> and then let it die down a little bit, and then reintroduce. Give them the gift of missing you. Did you yes. miss me? I'm still here. Uh, I got I, a, I got a great job that way because I s- wasn't able to make it to a show that I normally worked and I'd done it for years and there's one time I couldn't make it and I guess the whole team was like where's where's Douglas why isn't he here you know and it just reaffirmed that oh wait we actually like him here we should probably just hire him mm-hmm. you know so so let them miss you. That's a great one. Yeah. There was a girl who came in uh, and uh, interviewed with me, and I really liked her, but I can only take so many apprentices at a time. And so I told her, I said, look, I would love for you to come here and work for here, but I just, I don't have the space. I said, so give me, you know, three months. I'll get somebody on the floor. Call me in three months, and we'll get you in. And sure enough, three months to the day, she called me. I'm here. You told me to call you in three months. I'm ready. Let's come on in. Let's go. Yeah, and then she called you out on it because yeah, if perfect. you if you if you had forgotten, <laughs> and that three months time, and it's like okay, I've got somebody on the floor. Okay, yeah. I need to get another assistant in. If she wasn't there, you maybe yeah. had called somebody else mm-hmm. or a couple people. Yeah, and then she calls you and says, "You told me to call in three months." Yeah, are you going to gonna be a liar? Day. Yeah, are you going to be a liar and say, ooh, actually, I've Absolutely not. Yeah, it's <laughs> she called you out. Yeah. And, and held you to it yeah. and keeps you accountable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's something to be said about chasing those opportunities. Even when you don't think that there's an opportunity there, sometimes you just got to chase it. And I remember when I was in beauty school and uh, there's a... a real famous hairdresser named Trevor Sorby, who oh. is Trevor Sorby, yep. British hairdresser of the year, five times in a row, one of the Amazing. greatest to have ever done it. Like he, the best to had, have lived. Yeah. Oh yeah. He had just introduced a product line here in the United States and he was touring, doing little shows, doing big shows, uh, just individual you know, presentations. And he was, the closest he came to Louisville was Atlanta. 
and I'm and it was a Sunday, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And so Saturday night after beauty school, I hopped in the car, I drove six and a half hours to Atlanta, middle of the night. I slept in the parking lot in the car. I got up, had breakfast at like 6 a.m., 7 a.m. I go to the hotel where they're doing the show because I know that they're prepping somewhere. There's a prep room somewhere. They're (laughs) prepping. And I just started walking around until I found the prep room. And I walked right in as they were setting up. And I said, hey, Trevor, I'm here to help you. I'm Johnny on the spot. Anything you need, you let me know. I'm here to assist. Okay, well, what's your name? Russell. Come on over here, Russell. I'm going to have you start doing this. And instantly took me in. And I was making little hair pieces for Trevor. And and he was putting them together and showing me what to do. I spent all day working for this man. And I'm telling you, it was a gift to be able to go do that. And if I hadn't gone and I hadn't just walked in and said, hey, I'm here to assist. Trevor ain't calling me in Louisville, Kentucky to come down and say, hey, Russell, we, we need some help. Just show up. Sometimes show up. that's half the battle. Mm-hmm. Half show the battle. Show up to Biggie. Yeah. Show up to Biggie. Um, yep. Since we're we're sharing uh, Trevor Sorby uh, stories, mm-hmm. um, Trevor Trevor's always been huge, you know, in mm-hmm. in my book, and I know yours. You know, he's grandpa. But uh, that's exactly how I got to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Is you just show up. Yeah. And and all those guys, your Trevor Sorbys, your Anthony Mascolos, your your you know whoever it is that that rocks your world, you'd be amazed how easy it is mm-hmm. to hold their sections and how help them with a, with, mm-hmm. with, with a blowout mm-hmm. um, just by showing up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's huge. Mm-hmm. And and the same goes with finding where you want to work. Show up. Don't don't be intimidated. I have a kid that works for me right now who was working at a low-end salon. He was unhappy, but he had always followed like all my videos and stuff. And when I opened the salon, he knew for a fact he was like, I work at this low-end salon, he's never hiring. And he just got the balls together and walked through the door, hand me his resume, which had nothing on it. He was like, I've been a fan. I, I need to get out of the world I'm in right now. I probably have no chance of starting here. I was like, you're hired. <laughs> he showed up. Yep. He, he got, he had that confidence of like, mm-hmm. or he didn't have it. He mm-hmm. mustered it. Yeah, even if he didn't have the confidence, he till still yeah. walked through and the he front. Still door. works for me to this yeah. day, and he's probably one of my top people. And mm-hmm. and he's he's brilliant, and he's such a cool kid to see him grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, all these years, you know, it's been eight years, and uh, but that's that's just it. Is whether oh, I don't have a chance to work there. Yes, mm-hmm. you do. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. You just gotta show up. So it doesn't even require belief. The action is more powerful than the belief that I can do it. Take the step, take the action, and modify your approach as you go. Mm-hmm. I got most of my jobs with different companies for the simple fact, just like you did with Trevor. Is mm-hmm. I just showed up. Yeah, I knew where it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I 
money out of my pocket, hop on a plane, fly there, show up that morning. And then, all right. And there was times where I stood there because I didn't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. And one of my mentors who was there looked at me and he goes, did you come here to stand or are you come here to work? I said, I came here to work. He's like, get to work. I'm like, what do you want me to do? And he goes, I don't care. <laughs> like, go hold her sections. Right. You know, does somebody need a water bottle filled? Does somebody, you know, mm-hmm. does somebody, you know, fumbling for, for hairpins? Like, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is. You know, mm-hmm. I, especially at that time, I got no ego. Mm-hmm. You know, I will, I will polish shoes. I will, you know, <laughs> fold towels. I will rip foils. I don't care. Yeah. Just, just, I love this. I love what I do. I love this career. I love this craft. I love this. I don't like to use the word industry, but everybody else seems to like it. So I love this industry. Um, and I love it so much that I don't care if I'm shampooing or refilling shampoo bottles. As long as I'm in it and I'm around hairdressers, yeah. like-minded hairdressers, um, I'm happy. You know, I was happy making no money. I was happy making a lot of money. But I'll go back to making no money as long as I get to keep doing what I do. So let let me throw you a curveball here. Because a lot of times people are want to go to beauty school or are in beauty school and they don't have a supportive family. And mm-hmm. one of the big things they're always going to say is, oh, you can't make any money playing in hair. Uh, what would your rebuttal to that be? Rebuttal as far as a parent advice or, to the person that's yeah. that's hearing this stuff, maybe is having doubts. Can I actually make a living from it? Because they don't know anybody that's truly successful. You don't know anybody that's truly successful because you're talking to people that don't want to be. No. Um, so go Google. See all the hairdressers that are making a living. Uh-huh. I remember when I had my, I mean, I opened the salon and like I said, I'm the worst salon owner in the world, but I had a staff member buy a car and I was like, crap, she did that while working here. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh my God, that's, that's huge. You, you're going to make what, what you want to make. But remember, it's a ladder. Mm-hmm. Right out the door, you shouldn't be making anything. And then you grow and you learn, you get a little more, mm-hmm. you get a little better uh-huh. in that understanding. And I know, Russell, you'll probably agree with this statement. I'm 36 years in mm-hmm. and I'm just now figuring it out. So. In that first five years, that first five years is what, that's your foundation. That's everything. So give it time. It scares me when I see 20-year-olds trying to make six figures or or more. I deserve, no, because it's a craft. It's Mm -hmm. you have to learn and you have to grow. Now, some people grow and learn really quick. Other people, it takes mm-hmm. them a bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to make 
money-wise, whatever it is that you want to make, that's up to you and how dedicated you are, but nobody's going to give it to you. Right. So I know more hairdressers out there that don't make anything because they're just not motivated and they don't want to put in the time mm-hmm. and they don't want to like, oh, I don't want to work late or I don't want to come in early or I don't want to, you know, the ones mm-hmm. that, that absolutely lose their... I, I can't raise my prices. Lose mm-hmm. the lose their stuff because they were had to work through a lunch, or mm-hmm. again the raise your prices thing. Yeah, yeah. If you're fully booked, and people are having difficulty getting into you, your prices go up. Period. Because otherwise, you're stuck. You're stagnant. You're not going, and that's it. Those are the people that that close down their books and say, "I don't take any more new clients." Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's over. Yeah. That that ride's yeah. done. Mm-hmm. But you raise them, you weed out some. Don't be rude about it. Send them out to your your fellow hairdressers who were in the same spot you were just a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Help them fill their books. You raise your prices, you get a whole new group of people in. Um, but however much, however good of a career you want to have is how much time and effort do you want to put into it? Yeah. Yeah. It is really, it is really about what do I want and am I willing to pay the price to go get it? Mm -hmm. I know hairstylists that make millions of dollars and not just because they have a product company. I mean, there was a guy in New York. I know I met him several times. He personally booked $1.6 million a year in hair services. And this was, well, when I lived there, it was 30 years ago, 25 right. years ago. I'm like, wow, my brain could not wrap around that kind of business and that kind of book. But, you know, now I'm thinking, oh, okay, I see it. So whatever you want, you can go get it and you can go make it if you're willing to pay the price. That goes my, back to you know yourself. Yeah, so, pay the price. My thing real quick, sorry, Annie. Um, I always hear money. Money, 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 money. Mm-hmm. And if it's about money, find another route. You know, and it might not be behind the chair. Um, because you should love what you're doing so much that it's not about the money. Um, I get a lot of people in there was like, well, I need to make this. And they're fresh out of school. Yeah. It's like, this chair isn't for you then. Because I want people who want to grow and learn. If you want just that, good luck. You know, um, I don't know how you do that because I only know how to work up. I don't know how to just be that because I had to learn. So, so make sure that you know it's in, it's in school. It's, it makes, is this really what you want to do? Why do you want to do it? Who, what possesses somebody to go to beauty school? You know, it's a weird, when you ask students, what made you go? You get the weird thing like, oh, I did my Barbie doll's hair. or I was always <laughs> cutting my, my friend's hair. Right. You know, it's like, okay. But they don't know anything about what it is. Like, if I th- want to be a mechanic, I know what that entails. But you ask somebody in high school, well, what what is it? What do you do if you're a hairdresser? Well, you stand behind a chair and cut people's hair. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, why would you go to school then? If that's, yeah. you know, that that doesn't sound fun. But that's always a great question when I when I get kids in school. It's like, was it what you thought it was? Because it wasn't when I went. Mm-hmm. But I had the opposite re- reaction. My two weeks in, I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I had that reaction. But I still went into it. I had no clue. I thought I was, I'm just going to go work behind a chair and cut hair until I figure right. out what I'm going to do with my life. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, there's so many layers to the industry, and and in order to be like one onions. of those, yes, exactly. In order to be one of those super successful powerhouse hairstylists, it's not just learning the technical aspects. It's the technical. It's the emotional. It's the interpersonal. It's the business management. It's the marketing. It's all the above that congeals to make a powerhouse hairdresser can really increase a, a, their clientele and their earning power. Yeah, I think kids out of school, never limit yourself. Mm-hmm. Know everything um, or be into everything. And that's just that, the marketing, mm-hmm. uh, business, how to talk to a client. Yeah, That took me forever mm-hmm. to figure out how to, how to actually get personal and get deep and understand what first it was just make them happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it was like, well, that's a cop out because I'm just making them happy. Mm-hmm. Now I'm miserable, but they're happy. Great. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's gotta be a win-win on both sides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to do something great that makes me happy and I want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. And there's times now where I never would have done at the beginning of my career where you tell a client not for you. Mm-hmm. Or you're not for me. Like it's not working both ways. But right. you know what? You know who loves to do the stuff you like? You know, mm-hmm. Joe Bob. You know, four chairs down, loves that stuff. <laughs> Book a consult with them. But again, it goes back to knowing who I am as a hairdresser. And if I didn't know that, I'd still be standing behind the chair, just trying to make people happy. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. So the last question that I have is Oh, we got uh, another one. Just to like wrap this up really quickly. <laughs> I kept waiting for this. <laughs> yeah, we're there. Um so the last question that I have, um, kind of like bringing it back around to like uh when kids are doing their interviews or getting set up for interviews or anything like that. I remember this really awful interview that I had. It was, they did it as... I (laughs) apologized. I remember this really awful interview that I had (laughs) where I I was wanting to move out of state, so I wasn't familiar with the area. I did a ton of research. I found a salon that I thought would be a great fit. They were doing, they they did group interviews. So for their assistant program, it was like, it was a two-day process. You came in for a day of interviews and then a day of like shadowing if they liked you so during the group interviews it was like you could already tell that it was very like there were favorites already picked you were there just to kind of like they were there to you know appease you during the interview process but you could tell people had already you could tell who had the job and who didn't the moment we all showed up for the group interviews and um, but almost all of us were invited back for day two, which was shadowing, you know, very quickly. I realized they used this opportunity to clean their salon. It was a what? day of 
here's a bucket here's here's some window cleaner and it's like once you were done with one cool what's the next thing well there's not much else. go clean the window again there there was no opportunity to hold hair there was no opportunity to shadow with any of the stylists if you did try to go up to a stylist they pretty much were like don't talk to me you know go clean something the bathroom needs to be cleaned and I was there for eight hours cleaning this fucking salon red flag right huge red flag huge 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 red flag so what would be some red flags that you would hope students could see during the process of an interview or shadowing or even just dropping off the resume like what would you say would be big red flags to like spot immediately Okay, number one, I got like maybe I'll ask you some other time. I want to know where this was. Um, ballsy, <laughs> very ballsy. Um, but uh, give them credit that people actually did it, not just like see ya. Um, red flags to me are when you're standoffish, uh, especially when you're in shadowing. Well, no, so not red flags for you, but what would a student, what would you say to it? Like what for a student, when they're going into a salon, what would be a red flag for them to say, probably not the right salon for you? Well, again, it depends on what type of salon you're looking for, but red flag would be when nobody talks to you, nobody invites you over, nobody brings you in. Um, An angry receptionist. Because if she's stressed out and upset and angry, then there's there's some stuff going on, you know. Totally. That's a red flag. Uh huh. Totally. Um, they shouldn't put you to work unless it's sweeping hair. I always like it when they're like, we have one girl that during her shadowing, she just grabbed the broom, and started sweeping, mm-hmm. and I was just like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That means you're not going to yell at me or give me attitude when I ask you to fold foils. You know, it's um that when the electricity quick. gets turned off halfway through the day, yeah, that, that, that might be a, a red, red flag. flag. And that the owner is like, flag. Oh, I forgot to pay that again. Ah, that's that's a red <laughs> yeah. flag. Yeah. <laughs> you just want to see a we all want to see a well-oiled machine. And I'm gonna I'm a salon owner, and that's harder harder than you think to have when, something when you're when really? you're meeting the stylist and they're talking shit about the other stylist and you don't even work there. Right. That's a red flag. That's a red flag. <laughs> that clickiness. Yeah. You know, that yeah. break room, break mm-hmm. room chatter. And that's a big one. If your salon has a break room and you're shadowing, go hang out there for a minute. Just yeah. feel what the temperature is. Um you know, that's, that's going to be your biggest, your biggest thing. You know, I don't expect my staff to sell to a potential. I expect them to answer honestly. Mm-hmm. The, if a potential person's in shadowing and says, hey, how do you like working here? And that stylist looks at them and says, hate it. <laughs> oh, my God, please. You like well, For me, it's like, what's wrong? Or can I fix it? What happened? Or wow, if you hate it, then you shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. But but looking for, again, those 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 are great red flags, though. It's just 
it's a temperature check. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, do you think? Do you think having someone who's coming in who doesn't work there but is assisting or shadowing as part of their interview, cleaning the salon? No. Do you think no. that like is that appropriate no. or should they? No, absolutely doing that? not. No. Mm-hmm. That's that's just free labor, and yeah. that's yeah. not what that person is there for. Mm-hmm. That person's there to get a job. Well, that and, stuff and, should already be taken care of by the staff that you already have. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. <laughs> but what no, about, um, we're talking no, hypothetical. Yeah. If you're shadowing, you shouldn't have to do anything. That's the whole point of shadowing. Yeah. Come stand by me, ask questions, watch. Is this the type of work you, you're into? Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're a person shadowing. It's a, that's when I'm getting interviewed. That's, you know, I might be watching, are they teachable? And that's, I, I usually find that out pretty quick during a shadowing, especially if I have them hold sections or, Hey, can you grab me a brush or, Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. So they're, they're willing to lend a hand. Um, but it's also that students time to interview the the person they're shadowing mm-hmm. how are their sections mm-hmm. do they take this seriously as serious as you want them to take um you know how do they communicate with their clients are they rude vulgar or are they quiet and stand off it you know let's get that vibe mm-hmm. um, especially during a shadow but if you're doing a shadow and they ask you to go clean the toilet. So you know what? It's been lovely, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to bail because that's, yeah. No, thank you. You know, questions that, that a potential, you know, staff member or or I'm going in to look for a a position or a job, things that I should ask and look for, you know, how, how fast are appointments? Are they every 15 minutes or are they every hour? Mm-hmm. And are there men? Are there women? Or is it just one or the other? Do we do all services? Do we just do color or we do everything? Is it mm-hmm. compartmentalized? You know, how often um, do we look at pay raises? How long does somebody um, apprentice and assist for generally, you know? How how long has someone been here? What's the longest stylist that's been with you? Mm-hmm. You know, do they do you have a lot of turnover? You know, how often do stylists come and go? How many people? You don't may not ask that, but you may just pay attention to it. You, you want know? to know that, but then also is that you know that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, do they stay for a certain amount of time and then go, but maybe that's how they're designed. Yeah. Um, but asking every single one of those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's your your moral imperative to do so, mm-hmm. to know exactly what you're getting yourself into. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I worked at one place, I was getting a job, and I remember that was, everybody always told me to talk to the staff, talk to the other hairdressers, and just, hey, how is it? And I remember at one place that I did work at, and I asked a couple of them, and they looked me dead in the eye, and they say, it's hard, because the owner is a perfectionist and expects a certain level and it's very hard to maintain that level and 
some of the staff were really, they're struggling, but it was a good struggle mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they were, they were learning and growing and getting better because if it's just all roses and, you know, Starbucks yeah. cards, just because you walked through the door that morning, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's not a good, that's not a good situation either. But if it's challenging, you know, it's not that, you know, I hate working here, but it's hard working here because I'm challenged all mm-hmm. the time yeah. to, to do better. And I'm like, I'm game because that's what I want. Mm-hmm. But if that's not what you want, then don't do it because mm-hmm. you were yeah. told it's yeah. hard. Yeah. Then yeah. you get in and you're, you're three, four months in and you're in the break room in tears going, this is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they told you that. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't lie to you. They just want to make sure you were prepared. And it's okay to have a breakdown like that. I've had yeah. breakdowns. You know, I've I've had these uh, existential crises where I thought <laughs> I'm 20 years in and I just F this poor girl's haircut uh, beyond recognition. I should just stop this. Oh, I should yeah. know better. And so that never goes away. You're gonna have those moments oh. break down. Yeah. They get they don't they get few and far between. Yeah. But that's They're why I there. love education so much. Yeah. As I always say, you know, I, I go do education at least twice a year. And I always say, I'm going to go get my ass kicked for a week because mm-hmm. I need it. Mm-hmm. And nothing nothing kills that ego more than going somewhere and just having it handed to you and just be like, you suck. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but I don't want to. Yeah. So I'm going to practice. I'm going to get better. Mm-hmm. But, but you need that. I know lots of hairdressers. And again, this just goes back to students getting out of school. I know lots of senior hairdressers that never go to education because they're the god of their own world. And they don't want somebody to tell them that sucked. And I'm always like, tell me. If it sucked, tell me. I want to learn. So I'm always going to education. Mm -hmm. I'm always learning. And I always learn from people that I feel are way beyond where I'm at then. But I think the other thing for students, when you get out of school, keep in mind, when you're 20 years in, it is so amazing to go to an entry-level class Mm -hmm. and go back to the beginning and relearn and see all of your bad, uh, what do you call them? Um, habits. habits yeah all the blind spots habits that mm-hmm. you spent 10 20 years building mm-hmm. and then to go back to a basic class and go oh my god there there's no room for ego you have to have a little bit of an ego for what we do but it can't keep you from from growing so make sure whatever salon you're going into offers all of that yeah and you know are they going to teach you are they going to help you grow better yet ask them hey when a senior stylist leaves how is that handled you know is it they never existed and Mm -hmm. oh i'm sorry betty i don't know where tammy went but i can schedule you with so-and-so or are they open yeah are they open and and cheering them on yeah um for me, that's well, that's a, a rare treat, though. That is a rare it, treat. It is, but I don't yeah. think it should be. I don't think it, it shouldn't should be. be. But 
but I, it, it's I that it. way. It's the nature of the beast. But yeah. but it's also nice to know. And I'm not saying everybody should do that. I mean, there's been plenty of times with me where I'm like, I wish I didn't know that person <laughs> that left. But yeah. I got to be honest. Yeah. But how well, does a salon? How does a salon? If I'm going to put 10, 15 years into this place, right? And and my salon, you know, I'm bringing in this amount of money and X percentage of it is going back into the business. When I leave and I try to do it, you know, dot my I's and cross my T's and I'm going to try to do this in the best way possible. Yeah. How does that get handled? So not only am I starting in this place, but how's it going to happen when I leave? Or all of a sudden, you know, I got a great job opportunity somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's like, how's it? You know, are you guys going to just blacklist me or, you know, how does that happen? Well, you just got to be prepared because you never know until you cross that bridge. And it is what it is. You always know, have but, that excellent strategy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we've done a lot of really good, you know, seed planting here of what you need to look for. The yeah. mindset of of longevity when you're looking at your career and you're looking at a place to go to. So Douglas, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you it's, so it's much. Really for an honor. Me. It's really an thank honor. Thank you. No, both of you. Thank you so much for having me. This was really a nice way to to spend some some time. And it reminds me of some of the old school uh conversations. Uh we didn't call them podcasts then, but <laughs> but you know, that where you gotta people like us together on a screen and yeah. you go to YouTube and watch it. Yeah. yeah. You always have guests yeah. on. It reminds me of the good old days. This is like sitting at a bar at a hair show, except we don't have the beer on uh. the cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, um, thanks everybody for listening. I hope that you got a really good uh, amount of content from this. Uh, please like, and subscribe to iTunes and Spotify, leave us a review, comment, question, what you'd like to see in the future. And we will see you next time. I'm Russell Mays. I'm Annie MacArthur. And thank you to Douglas for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Love you both. Bye. Thank you. Bye.